This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Rick, we're, we're down the stretch, and I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm a little tired. We are 17 days. How many? 17, Rick. Yeah. Debo, yeah. can you say 17 in Italian? No. No. Just got back from two weeks in Italy. Didn't See, learn a word. Ryan, all the world is right. We don't have any guests today, and Debo's back in the driver's seat, uh, taking this bus down the road closer <laughs> to the draft, and he will eventually lead us down there in 17 days. We're 17 days away from this uh, trip to the combine or to the uh, draft. That's right. And uh, you probably know by now, if you're listening, this is with the first pick, the CBS sports NFL draft podcast. This is episode 35. I'm Ryan Wilson. That of course is our general manager, Rick Spielman. Debo is back in the bus driver's seat as Rick just pointed out. And today doing something a little different draft props. That's it. That's it. We're going to take a look at the odds for different positions and where they may go and give you our best guess about what happens in the actual draft, which starts, Rick, in how many days? 17 days. 17 days. A uh, quick programming note on Wednesday, we'll again be joined by our guy, Lee J. Doosable, who joins us here at CBS Sports on HQ. He was on the pod last Wednesday. This time around, we are talking defensive tackles, edge rushers. Lige played in the league as defensive tackle from 2007 to 2018 or 2008 to 2017, excuse me. So I'm looking forward to that for a lot of reasons, including I'll give you a little teaser here, Rick. I want to hear your thoughts because we haven't talked a lot about and Lige's thoughts on Kalaji Kansi, the interior defensive lineman from Pitt who has 30 plus inch arms, which is historically absurdly short. He yes. is a special player, but we'll talk about that on Wednesdays. So look for that. Also, if you missed it, last Thursday, Rick, Josh Edwards, and myself, we did another mock draft. And that was pretty popular. Uh, I read through some of the comments, Rick, and people seem not to hate it, which is progress. So if you want to see that or hear that for yourself, check that out in the feed, and you can judge whether it was a, a great mock or, or just a good one. I think it was a great just, one. Just like a draft meeting, you start out with a mold of clay, and eventually you get down to what you want to create that into. And we're closing in. We have... 17 days left until we can finalize our mock drafts and and <laughs> finalize our reports and and uh, get ready to go. You mentioned that, Rick. Let me ask you quickly. Is there a fear when you do these draft meetings every day? How many hours a day are you meeting in these draft meetings this time of year? Uh, usually 12, 12 to 14. Oh, so, so this is all that's on the table. There's no yeah. – like no. free agency stuff is an afterthought. No. You might do that later or whatever. Yeah. So is there any fear as you go through 12-hour day after 12-hour day that you – 
it becomes groupthink and people are sort of talking themselves into players or is it, is it a consensus and you're able to, to sort of guard against that? No, we're, right now we were probably finishing up this week uh, with the meetings with the coaches going through each individual player by position. And then next week we would circle back and we would start working in clusters or bunches. So I would put uh, a, maybe five or six guys in a cluster Ooh. And uh, start weaving that together on who sh- they're all in the same area of the draft board, but then who should go in front of who, or if we're on the clock and this happens. So you start doing your finalized game plan, uh, trying to go in through all these different scenarios, trying to put these players in clusters and then finalizing who should be in front of who should, uh, for example, uh, Paris Johnson be ahead of, Tyree Hill or Tyree Wilson or Tyree Wilson bill. So now you've worked vertically on your board and what does that mean when you say vertically, vertically, you're going straight down your board by position. So every quarterback you're, you're reading them, you're stacking them, you're putting in your categories. Then you do the running backs, fullbacks, tight ends, defense, all the way down. Mm -hmm. So you're just doing it vertically. The last two weeks is when you start clustering it. And if we have, a defensive end and a running back and a receiver and a safety, all equal in ability. Let's cluster them together. And then now let's start working. And if we're in this situation and these four guys are on the board, let's go back and watch them regroup. And then let's stack them accordingly in that category, in that cluster. I'm glad you mentioned clustering, Rick, because you talked about it back in the fall when we fired up the podcast in November. Devo, make a note. We're, I mean, we're action packed for the <laughs> up until the draft. But if we can have a clustering podcast, that would be pretty awesome. You talked about that before. That means that I, I would have to do the uh, the spreadsheet stuff on the back end, and you could be the brains of the operation. But that's typically how it works anyway. So uh, that would be fun. Now, I like that because typically draft media and folks who enjoy the draft as fans think vertically. But at some right. point, you have to think horizontally because right. You don't just pick all your quarterbacks and then teams don't all decide to pick all the fullbacks. You have to sort of uh, ebb and flow and go with, with, with what's happening in front of you. And, right. Yeah, within those clusters, it becomes tailored to your team needs it. So um, we can stack them just like by players, but a team may say, well, okay, we have, let's, let's give an example, Bijan Robinson and Tyree Wilson stacked in there in our cluster. Mm-hmm. And we drafted... Uh, Walker last year, so we don't need a running back. So Tyree Hill would be ahead of Bijan Johnson. Ken Walker, but, for example, that's who you're talking about. Yeah, the, yeah. the running back from Michigan State that yep. Seattle took. I'm giving you as a Seattle example. Gotcha. Then let's look at a team that maybe has uh, a loaded, or they don't need a defensive end, um, but they need a running back. So Bijan Robinson would be probably on top of Tyree Wilson. Uh, so that's how you start tailoring the board to your team's specific needs. If that makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. And another thing that draft media, especially national draft media are guilty of is not thinking about team needs just because you're covering so many things. Um, fans of teams have a better idea because they're, they're in the weeds when it comes to their specific teams. So you've talked about it in the past. Uh, for example, gap scheme versus zone scheme. When you talk about offensive linemen, you right. have some guys ranked higher depending on the scheme you're running than others. Although you may have, reasons for thinking that that uh, a gap scheme guy maybe has the ability to zone scheme at the next level. But anyway, uh, we'll try to fit that in, in in the coming 
16 and a half days because we're up, we're up against it here. But I, that is something that you mentioned early on and I thought was incredibly interesting. And thank you. Thank you, Rick, for explaining that. Yeah, all I'm doing is trying to contribute to your podcast. Just be a part of it, be, be a supporting supporting actor in this role that Devo has put me in. My po- yeah, my podcast. Your face is everywhere, but it's my podcast. I'll take that. <laughs> we have the same agent. Your agent got your face on it. And he just said to make sure you call it my podcast. <laughs> oh, Everybody but- has their strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> That's right. That's how we're clustered. That's what happened there. All right. And remember, you can always watch the show live on YouTube and NFL on CBS. And be sure to subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you don't mind, give us a thumbs up too. And hey, drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to it. The first big news of the day in terms of these draft props, Rick, is uh, Debo notes that Stroud and Young are now tied to go number one Ah. overall. So let's just do a a quick history lesson here. After the combine, C.J. Stroud, the quarterback out of Ohio State, shot up to – uh, in terms of the odds to be the likely first quarterback taken, I think in large part because of how well he threw at the combine. I don't let me and ask Bryce Young didn't throw at the combine. So that was the last impression everybody had. As an evaluator who would have to draft one of these players, do you care about how well someone throws at the combine? I do because they've competed at the combine. Oh, God. <laughs> and I don't, you know, like I said, we've talked about it earlier. There may be timing off with the receivers. One receiver right. may break an out route at 10 yards, the other one at 12 yards. But you can see the velocity. You can see everything that we saw on the pro day. You can see at the combine. And the other thing I loved about the combine and the compete part, everybody is watching. It's on national TV. Uh, every club decision maker or team decision maker is there. You're going through the interview, pro- everything from A to Z. And then you get to go out there and do what you're going to get paid to do and perform. And that's why I, I really enjoy the combine. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Debo has the graphic up for the odds here. If you're listening, CJ Stroud is now at minus 115 to be the first overall pick. Bryce Young also at minus 115, followed by Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida at plus 1600. Then Will Levis at plus 2500. And then the first non-quarterback, Will Anderson Jr. at, a, at plus 15,000. Uh, I don't think there's – I don't want to say I don't think there is. Carolina is not picking Will Anderson. I will 100% say that. <laughs> Unless they let the Bears straight back up, then maybe Will Anderson goes first. But in terms of – so we saw the Carolina contingent at every single quarterback pro day we went to, the four we went to, the big four, C.J. Bryce, Anthony. And they were very selfish not offering us a seat on their private jet as we muddled through – uh, oh planes, trains, and automobiles to get where they would probably got there in, in a half, less than half the time. So in our last pro to Gainesville, I actually talked to new Panthers coordinator, Thomas Brown for a second. I, I met him earlier at the combine. We had a mutual friend and I said, um, and I, you've heard me complain about this already. I said, man, I'm not built to be doing all this travel. And he said, it's a little easier when you're on the private jet. <laughs> I said, yeah, I bet it is. Well, Debo, it'll be fun to see what Debo comes up with uh, with the first pick private jet next year to get us to all these pro days. Hey, Rick, I'll be honest. I'm just hoping that Debo's in the country next year around this time. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, that's, that's true. He usually bags out and goes on vacation like every other serious football man goes right before the draft. Hey, let's go on vacation for a week. <laughs> go watch some Italian soccer. I'm actually jealous about that. All right, so the Panthers are at the top. They were at all four of these pro days that we saw them at, the quarterbacks, uh, the quarterback-centric pro days. CJ and Bryce are now tied. I don't know what has happened because coming into I'll this tell podcast, you what has happened. 
All right, let me give this quick number here. CJ was the favorite at minus 140, and then Bryce was at minus 110. What happened since we started this podcast to change that? Bryce Young worked out, so they had back-to-back comparisons because they actually did go back-to-back yeah. at Ohio State, and then we were down at Alabama. And then all the meetings start taking place, and all the cognitive testing, the intelligence scores, the psychological scores, all have come in. The results of those have come in. Uh, the meetings. Uh, so teams are start are finalizing their draft board. So everything's starting to come to a head. And I think with all that information now, and the word I've heard is that Bryce Young has just been off the charts in meetings, not mm-hmm. only from a character and a fine young man standpoint, as you so like to point out on every one of these guys, all 250, they're going in your top 50. Um, but the True. intelligence part, I guess, has been off the roof or off off the charts. Off the charts and blew the roof off. Um, okay. You are Scott Fitterer. You got the first overall pick. Who's your guy? I'm taking Bryce Young. I've been with him since the fall, and I'm going to ride him all the way through the draft. All right. Who do you think actually gets taken? I'm going to say Bryce Young. I've been you with do, him do you... yeah, with the fall, and I'm going to ride him all the way through the draft. Say <laughs> Bryce Young. All right. So, I mean, they're tied, and you've been a huge Bryce guy, and I like Bryce as well. He's my QB1. Um, but I feel like CJ may be the pick here because Frank Reich has said in recent weeks that, yes, he had a high grade on Russ Wilson, but Russ Wilson also went in the third round, and he said don't read too much into that. And he has historically said, and I think he told our Jonathan Jones this, that he likes his quarterbacks to be a little bit bigger. And that's the one thing Bryce doesn't have. Everything else, Bryce is off the charts. He could be truly special Trevor Lawrence-type um, expectations if he had been 6'2". We've talked about that a lot. I think CJ's the, the guy here, but clearly they're tied. Of the other two quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, who is your favorite to go first overall? Does there feel like – I mean, sure. I know what the answer is, but go ahead. If you had to pick one, uh, and let's say – C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young both uh, went to Europe and Italy and watched soccer during the draft. <laughs> one can track him down. So Anthony Richardson and Will Levis were the only two left on the board. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would go definitely with Anthony Richardson. I mean, do you think there's a team? Well, let me let me ask the question this way. As someone who's been in, in the league for over 30 years, front office for over 17 years in Minnesota, did any pick surprise you Quarterback wise, in terms of you didn't see it coming from another team, you don't have to name the name, name the team or anything, but yes. any, yeah, okay, no, it always because no, no, usually every team's front board, especially in the first round, is pretty much the same, yeah. Uh, but the quarterbacks are always the wild card because okay. everybody sees something different in the quarterbacks for some reason, and that's the hardest position to fill on your roster. and I think that uh, there is a lot of discussion. I bet if we were able to look at all 32 draft boards on how they have these quarterbacks ranked, there would be a lot of twists and turns that you'd mm. be shocked to see. Because I'm with you. Anthony Richardson is a long shot favorite. That's a thing. And for us to go number one, I think both of you and I agree that Will Levis, there's no chance. But as you just pointed out, different teams are having different conversations, and you can squint and make any of these guys – look like Patrick Mahomes if you want to, and maybe a team has, has been able to talk themselves into Will Levis. Have you gone back after making a, a pick, especially quarterback? You've talked about this before, and you've, you've talked about doing sort of the self-scouting about why you were able to talk yes. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, we go back and just, if we did miss on a quarterback, why? 
And so we don't make the same mistake again, whether it was something we missed on tape, which usually wasn't the case because we had nine or 10 looks on them. Right. Uh, but usually it was something other than what you saw on tape. And that was psychological. That was, you know, the 10 categories in there. One category may be a red flag that we didn't know that now we know. Oh, that's right. A mistake. It could be some cognitive or intelligence score. Uh, it could be anything. Uh, but that's where analytics kind of started to come into play. And that, that became help us make better decisions based off why you missed on a player. And it was not just quarterbacks. We did that on if we did miss on a draft pick, which everybody does. But if you did miss, I wanted to make sure we understood why we missed and we would have a meetings on, on that and making sure that as we go forward, we didn't do this or we missed in this area. Let's make sure we get it covered going forward. And sometimes I think uh, when you do make a mistake or you do miss on a pick that you hopefully learn and grow from that mistake and not make the same mistake twice. Right. No, that's incredibly important because the analytics part you've talked a lot about, and our buddy Pete Prisco gives you a hard times about the the non-football stuff. If Pete was your assistant GM and he told you to shove the analytics, what would you say to him? I, I put, tell him to go sit in your office, and we'll call <laughs> you when we need you. <laughs> All right, so Debo sends me this little note here. A year ago at this time, Trevon Walker had longer odds than the quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Debo, is that right? Correct. Correct. At this point, he didn't become the favorite to be number one for the first time. He became the favorite on April 25th, which was just three days before the draft. You know, in, in March of last year, Iki Iguanu was the favorite. Wow. To, in terms of odds to be the number one overall pick. And you can see how much that shifts over the course of the final month. Yep. Not going to happen this year, I think, because of the quarterbacks at the top. Last year, a quarterback wasn't in the competition to go number one. Just crazy, but here we are. But I bet you, Debo, as we go through this, that we check these odds three days before the draft. If let's say we did a podcast on Monday or Wednesday before the draft, or we will be. Schedule will be. Oh, who knows? But I don't know. Debo may be out of the country again. It's <laughs> he may be stressed out over his next three weeks where he needs another break. <laughs> What do you but look at? I, I will guarantee. I'll bet you another dollar. We haven't had a dollar bet in a while. Yeah, that these odds will change again three days before the draft. You want to guess who takes the lead? Bryce Young. Oh my gosh, he's going. He's going all in on Bryce Debo. That's hard to believe. All right, so you're leading Bryce. I'm leading CJ in terms of the odds here. The long shot, Anthony Richardson. Neither of us think Will Levis could happen there, but if he does, that would be truly shocking. Typically, that sort of news to your point, Rick. Three days out, we have usually an inkling of, of who's going to end up going number one because someone in the building struggles to to not sink the ships with the loose lips. So we'll, we'll see. But I, I don't envision a scenario where Will Levis makes his way to number one. That would truly be shocking. Uh, perhaps even... I actually, would give you back all the dollars you've lost to me so far. If that I'd happens? Back to you if that happened. Okay. What's more surprising? As we sit here 17 days away, Last year, 17 days out, knowing that Trevon Walker would be the first overall pick, or if Will Levis ended up going first overall, what would be more shocking? Oh, more shocking Will Levis. Really? Yeah. You already know Walker blew it up at the combine. Yeah. He okay. was up in the conversations. And um, that's this why this is why this year's draft, in my opinion, is going to be the most exciting because I think there will be 
when there's quarterbacks involved and there's four, and I think not to give you a teaser, uh, but when we go through these odds, there's a, how many quarterbacks go in the first round and I'll hold that. Uh, but when there's quarterbacks in play, especially in the top 10, there's going to be a ton of movement. You look at the history uh, mm-hmm. of when there are some quarterbacks of this caliber, caliber coming out and how teams will get aggressive and even over-aggressive if they're sold on one of these quarterbacks. So Debo notes that last year when the odds came out, Trevon Walker opened at 28-1, to 1, and he obviously ended up being the first overall pick. And, Rick, you hinted what we're going to next. Total quarterbacks draft in the first round. The over 4.5 is plus 140. The under four and a half quarterbacks going round one, minus one seventy. So uh, Vegas, the odds makers think that fewer than than five will go in the first round. And we've talked about these four and a half quarterbacks, and I say half because Hendon Hooker uh, had the knee injury, and he's not really been in the first round conversation since uh, late in the college football season. But I, I I think this is pretty easy. But a team that I know traded up for Teddy Bridgewater at the end of the first round for that fifth-year option. Is there any sort of thought about that with Hendon Hooker as QB5? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just to give another tease, tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time on CBS HQ, we, along with Brady Quinn, myself, Ryan Wilson, uh, will have our mock draft. And there is a few zingers in there that I can't <laughs> wait to ask Brady about. <laughs> zingers. <laughs> All right. So, wait a second. I so am, you- yeah. Did you ask me what I'm taking yet or no? So, tell me what you're taking and then tell me what you actually think will happen. I am taking uh, five quarterbacks will go in the first round, and I think that will happen. You do? So, okay. Is this, uh, the reason I say that yeah. is, one, we've talked about the fifth-year option. Two is that after Hendon Hooker, you're not going to see a quarterback till, till Saturday, in my opinion, taken off the board. So It would be a one, shock if one went on day two. Yes. Yeah, they should have had that graphic up. <laughs> All right, that that's a good point because you just mentioned in, in your previous statements before we got to the over-unders on quarterbacks that, you know, if, if there's a little pressure to get a quarterback and, and you, you, you need one and you understand that after Hendon Hooker, that's a wrap, you've come a long way, Rick, because I remember I had a little text thread with Pete Prisco where I mentioned day two for our second-round pick for Hendon Hooker, and you said he's 25 and he has the ACL. But... But these guys now, look at the age these guys are playing to. Right, that's right. And look at the maturity level and look at how advanced the procedure on uh, repairing ACLs has improved. And these guys are coming back six, seven months from now. He may not be ready by training camp. We'll probably start on the PUP list. But I think at some point that he will be uh, ready to go. Uh, next season, at least if, if he was in a situation where he can be a backup and similar to Kenny Pickett, let's say he goes in a situation like that. Yeah. The guy in front of him is struggling and by midseason he takes over and he should be medically cleared to do that or should be fully, fully back from that ACL. So I, I've talked about this before on the podcast before the Panthers traded up to number one, I had heard that the Texans love, 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 love Bryce. And let's talk about this quickly before we take a break. And I mentioned this in, in terms of uh, the Hendon Hooker conversation here. Let's say Carolina does take Bryce like you think they will. And let's say Houston doesn't love C.J. Stroud. Would you be shocked if they traded down or took a Will Anderson there or did something differently? Or do you just have to lock in the Will? I mean, to C.J., excuse me. No, they may trade down if they don't like any of the other quarterbacks. Yeah. And hopefully um, 
you, when you trade down and let's say, okay, we'll trade down, uh, but we still want to get Anthony Richardson. Uh huh. Okay. How far can we trade back and what are the threats on us potentially losing Anthony Richardson? Can we go down to past Seattle? Can we go past Detroit? No way. Uh, or if it's that, especially at this position, if it's too big of a risk, then let's just take him. Yeah. What if that happens? What if he goes before CJ Stroud? That would be, this is the most excited I've got on the podcast, Rick. <laughs> Now, would you be shocked if, if if Anthony goes second ahead of CJ? Yes, I would right? be off the charts shocked. Oh, but because I was shaking my head as you said, well, let's go below Seattle at five. I don't know. And you've talked about Seattle as a great landing spot for Anthony Richardson. I've talked about the Colts because of Shane Steichen and maybe you start Gardner Minshew for it a half a year or whatever. I think the lowest you can go if you don't want to miss on Anthony Richardson is three. But right. the, the Cardinals That's ain't trading. screw around because then you move down one. Let's right. say someone moves. Okay. You're going to play a cat and mouse and I'll cat and mouse and move right back up to number two and make that trade with somebody. Oh my gosh. That's I, I am pumped, Rick. All right. So I mentioned all that because then, so the, the Texans pick at two, they pick at 12 and they pick at 33. So maybe there's a, a way they can trade down from 12 or trade it from 33 and get Hinden at the back end of the first round and do other things at the top with that number two pick. If they want to trade around and they're not sold on any of the top four quarterbacks after or the top three after Bryce. I'm just telling you, there's some buzz out there, and it may Ooh. not be in the media on Hendon Hooker. Just love it, love it. Well, that's funny because there was no buzz coming from Spielman when I was mentioning our text thread, and then I heard from a, a scout that listens to the podcast that says, "Ah, Hendon." He didn't mention round one, but he said teams like Hendon, and obviously, you're giving us little informaciones here too. I love it. 2018 to 2021, the only drafts this century were five quarterbacks gone in the first round, according to researcher Debo. <laughs> but Debo does his own research. <laughs> he hit the Google machine. All right, that was exciting, Rick. Man, I was I was dragging a little bit for this podcast because we're we're down the home stretch. And I, like I like I've been complaining for weeks now. I can't. I'm not built for this, but that that got my got my mind right back in it. All right, Debo, let's take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk defensive players. All right, Rick Spielman headline. Rick Spielman has Anthony Richardson going two ahead of C.J. Stroud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That won't get you any hate tweets. All right. Let's go to defensive players, Rick. First drafted defensive player. And unless the odds have changed, Will Anderson is still at the top at minus 500. Followed by Tyree Wilson at plus 800. So two edge rushers. And then we have Christian Gonzalez at plus 800. He's also tied with Tyree. And there you can see it there if you're watching on the old YouTube machine. Followed by Jalen Carter at plus 1,000. And then uh -oh. Devin, Wither Devin Witherspoon, quarterback, cornerback, excuse me, plus 1,600. And then, holy Moses, Lucas Van Ness rounds out the list, the top six there at plus 5,000. Is, all right, is there a chance? Let me, how do I say, how do I phrase it? Are you taking Will Anderson over, uh, are you taking Tyree Wilson, excuse me, over Will Anderson? No, 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 move on. That's, um, that's a no-brainer for Arizona if they can't trade out. Now, maybe they may trade out. I would trade out if I could with it if I were them. They yeah, let, so much help. So that's why it becomes very interesting. <laughs> Let's say someone hops up right behind Houston uh, to go get Anthony Richardson, or let's say the unbelievable happens and Houston goes with. 
Anthony Richardson, oh, CJ Stroud drops to three. Love it. Love that. Okay. So let's say I'm trying to think let's, all kinds of action. That's right. So let's say Carolina Houston. Yeah. So let's, let's say the Cardinals stay put at three. You think they're taking Will Anderson. Let's assume that some team trades up at three and then the first defensive player doesn't go off to have an opportunity to go off the board till five, six, seven, or eight. And that's Seattle. That's Detroit. That's Las Vegas and Atlanta. They have those picks. Does that change anything for you? Jalen Carter does now, does he now get in the conversation? Nope. Will Anderson. Even if you're Seattle at five and you have a pick of all the defensive players. Will Anderson. All right. He's not coming off. It's like, I'm it's like I'm grilling you, uh, in a congressional hearing, you keep pleading the fifth. <laughs> it's actually like a draft meeting, and I used to do that to see how convicted they were, convicted, how strong a conviction they had on some of these players. You just kept saying Will Anderson. Will Anderson. Like, this is like 1998. They're like, who's Will Anderson? He hasn't been born yet. All right, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that if Seattle gets there at five and all those guys are available, I think Jalen Carter plus 1,000 is not a sure thing, but you, you feel okay about it. Yeah. I uh, I feel okay about it as a teaser coming up for tonight. I wouldn't argue with that pick. Yeah, and you're making money. You're not putting down. It's not minus five hundred. It's plus money. So that that that's encouraging. I don't think Christian Gonzalez is the first. No, absolutely either. not. Carter should be ahead of him. I'm trying to think. Is there a situation where a team would take a? There's no like the Falcons are still taking Jalen Carter over Christian Gonzalez. Yes, if those are the two names there, Devin Witherspoon. Um, if Lucas Van Ness goes first overall, Rick's going to give me all his dollars as well. Is that fair? Yep. You can have all the dollars I've won back. Okay. So you're Will Anderson. You're, you're willing to pay, pay the minus money on that. I will. If Tyree Wilson didn't have the foot injury that he suffered in November, and I don't know where he's at and that his agent told us at the Senior Bowl that he'll be ready to go, but that's what agents do. I don't know if he's run yet. I haven't seen any numbers. I would feel much better about potentially having him in the conversation with Will Anderson. And again, I hate to keep bringing up my buddy Pete Prisco, but he texts me all the time now that he's finally watching these players. He goes, Tyree Wilson's going to have a better career than Will Anderson Jr. Oh, geez. That's what I said. But I'm going to say Jalen Carter at plus 1,000. If they all make it to five, the defensive players with none going off the board, I'm going to take Jalen Carter as my uh, huh? as, as my guy. And by the way, Adam Schefter tweeted out earlier this morning, and this will make you happy, Rick. Jalen Carter's going to visit the Seahawks on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. So they're in the top 10. They're in the top 10. So he's they, they qualify. They qualify. All right. What's next, Debo? Let's see. First drafted cornerback. Now, this is interesting because Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois, played at about six feet 180 during the season. Last week, he ran a 4 4, according to some scouts. Gained a couple pounds. He's up to 185. He's still six feet, and he he tested well. Otherwise, and his tape is is fun to watch for sure. So he's the favorite to go off the board. The numbers have actually changed a little bit. If you're watching on YouTube, it's minus 140 now for Devin Witherspoon, uh, down from minus 125 or up. Next is Christian Gonzalez. He's plus money here. He was minus money in the last iteration. Um, I've talked to teams that have Christian Gonzalez number one, but you know, like you said, it only takes one team. I'm 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 going to stick with Gonzalez. I still think um, that he's going to be the first corner off the board. Although I liked Witherspoon, he's just kind of been rising through this process. And when he ran, what he ran, uh, allegedly ran what he ran, but yeah. apparently there were scouts there. Um, 
<laughs> Have there been the case in the past where you get the numbers from the agent? Oh, uh, COVID was great. It would be <laughs> like you'd see we get these clips because we we didn't go out to many pro days. You couldn't hardly go out to any, so we get clips of these guys running forty yard dash, and there'd be some guy there timing with his thumb, which is an absolute no no when you time in a forty. Oh. You know, time with your finger. So you can push that. That has a quicker trigger than trying to use your thumb to push. So just a little tidbit, if you ever go out there and bring binoculars and a stopwatch to the senior bowl or wherever we go. Now uh, I know. Show that you are actually a draft analyst that knows what he's doing because he's <laughs> doing it like a scout. Uh, then uh, that would be a legit deal. But you got all sorts of crazy numbers that you later – were you able to confirm those numbers or you just had to go with them and be like, this is not going to work? No. Well, what happened was they would start, and all of a sudden you wouldn't see them because the camera angle wasn't <laughs> wide enough, and then you'd see the last 10 yards. Oh, and my some gosh. person was there and show up a time, 429. <laughs> like, how much is this doctored? I mean, I'd like to see him run the whole thing. I love that. It, it was it was classic. I wish I would have saved some of those <laughs> clips that came in because they were classics. Hey man, that, listen, agents got to do what agents got to do. All right, so you like Christian Gonzalez? I actually do too. And it's plus money at plus one ten. Again, Devin Witherspoon minus one forty. I think it starts. Detroit's at six. Uh, you know, we've talked uh, to death about how they should go edge rusher first and probably come back at eighteen and go cornerback there if they want to. I don't think Seattle. That would be huge if Seattle took a cornerback at five, given the other needs they have. Las Vegas yeah. at seven. You would think they would want to go defense or offensive line. And then Atlanta at eight starts to make sense, and Philadelphia at ten starts to make sense about when these guys really start heating up. Not Philadelphia. They signed two quarters. They signed Slade back and Bradbury back. Yeah, they're they're a thousand. Huh? They're older. They're in the thirties. Okay. I don't know if Bradbury is. I think Slay is. Both thirty. Um, both over 30. There you go. Do you want a cornerback at 10 or do you want Debo's, to get one? Yeah, no, Debo's starting to pile on me now. Now you guys are double teaming me. He just he just provided information. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Philadelphia we're talking about. He gets very sensitive when we talk about the Eagles. I love I, I told you guys I'd opt for another, you know, defensive line position at 10, but yeah. my hope is that Keely Ringo's around it at 30 to to build for the future with those two plus 30 cornerbacks right now. And both I those think, deals they can get out of earlier than, you know, the three years that they signed to. Well, uh, Rick, um, Debo mentions Keely Ringo. I think Keely Ringo might be headed for day two. Oh, yeah. He's he's out. Yeah. He's out of the first round. And here's the thing. He had a great, great combine. He ran in the four threes. He tested well. And if you're watching on YouTube, you see there Keely Ringo is plus 5,000 to go first overall as the first cornerback taken. Excuse me. I'm just going to tell you, you can bet that. Whatever amount it is, you would be better off just burning it because at least you would get some heat from it because you're not winning that bet. Eli Ricks as well, plus 5,000. He's not going first overall. No. And, um, and to have Ringo and Eli Ricks in the same category is bizarre to me. But this is what happens, Rick, because the – And then Manuel Forbes, come on. Those guys go way up higher than uh, where they have them. Is this based on, on how they see them? Or they this, say they're all just one big cluster. They all this is based thousand. on the fact that there's very little information for the betting markets to make these decisions, and they go primarily off of mock drafts is my understanding. Because unlike uh, 
you know, gambling is a huge thing when you're talking about who's going to win or lose a, a, a football game because you have a ton of information. There's no reason for anyone on particular teams to be telling bookmakers what they're thinking because what's the upside for them? So that's why this is so volatile and why you see some names that you might not otherwise expect to see. Like Deontay Banks, I will bet Rick a dollar that he goes before Keely Ringo and Eli. <laughs> <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> I don't know. That's as funny as your only pro day at Syracuse you've ever. That's right. I know. Right. So that's my point. So like Deontay Banks at plus 5,000, I would bet that 10 times out of 10 before Keely Ringo at plus 5,000 to go first overall. But to Rick's point, I think the conversation starts with Gonzalez and Witherspoon. I don't think Joey Porter Jr. goes that high. And Rick, is it just a function runner four, five, one? Because his tape is his tape. He had otherwise good testing. He's not, he's not a ball hawk, quote unquote. So I don't know if that, Weighs more now after a four five one than had he run a four four two or something. These will all be best scheme fits because I think they're all very talented. Uh, but I think teams will start now honing in on because they're all going to be uh, probably stacked differently. Yeah, uh, in the same area on the draft board. But now what you're talking about is what is the best schematic fit? Is Gonzalez? Is Porter? Is Witherspoon for what we're going to do? Yep, so, and that's where you get the coach, the 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 position coach involved, and obviously the the, the offense coordinator. Exactly. All right, let's talk some wide receivers here. First wide receiver drafted, and two months ago, I'm guessing he was low, way down on the list, and now he's at the top minus money. Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver, Ohio State at minus two hundred, followed by a very interesting name, Zay Flowers, plus three hundred, out of BC. He's an undersized burner. And I mentioned Zay Flowers here because he's second, but also because I talked to teams, Rick. They love Zay Flowers. You talk to media folks. They're like, uh, he's in the conversation. They don't hate him, but he's not near the top. And I'll mention other two names quickly, and then you can give me your comments. Quentin Johnson, the tall drink of water at TCU, plus 600. Jordan Addison, also plus 600, uh, 5'11", 173 173-ish at the Combine, ran a 4.49, which was quote-unquote disappointing. And then Jalen Hyatt, the as I call him, Mike Wallace, one trick pony vertical route guy had a great one year productivity plus 2,200. Who do you think goes first? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ride the wave on this one and say uh, Jackson Smith and the jig button. I wouldn't have said that a couple months ago, but when he confirmed his 40 time and the way he's been ascending through this pre-draft process, I'm going to say he is probably the safest may not have the highest upside, but is probably the safest pick on a guy that's going to be a very good receiver at the NFL level. Yeah, and I went back and looked. His short shuttle and his three-cone. Off the charts. They were both tops at the combine. Six-five-seven three-cone. And the next closest was Julius Brents, who's a tall drink of water as well, 6'6", 3". So that's that's impressive. He only ran a 4.53, the cornerback, Julius Brents, um, but also moving. And 3.93 is a short shuttle for Jackson Smith and Jigba. And by the way, when you compare that, I have the pro day numbers as well. Those numbers are second uh, to Ahmad Willis-Dalton, a linebacker out of McNeese State. And again, I don't know who was doing the testing at the McNeese State pro day. So it very well could be the case that Jackson Smith and Jigba's one there, and a short shuttle would also be one, I do believe. I'll double-check real quick. Yes, his, he would have the fastest short shuttle of the thousands, the more than 1,000 people I have numbers for who have done pro days. So 
you have over a thousand athletes, not all the wide receivers and, and skill position players, but Jackson Smith and Jigba is number one in terms of his short area quickness and his explosiveness. The four or five makes that a lot easier to stomach, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And the <laughs> four or five uh is fast enough, is like we said when we were down at the Ohio State Pro Day. Right. So in terms of other quarter uh wide receivers, excuse me. Anyway, on planet Earth, Zay Flowers is the first wide receiver off the board. Absolutely zero. I think there's a 7% chance. I say 0%. The first quarterback, uh, God, I keep saying quarterback, first wide receiver. We typically have had them going around 12 when Houston gets their second first round pick. But again, uh, the Lions traded up last year for Jameson Williams. We've seen teams move up for, for wide receivers. Does a wide receiver go in the top 10? No. Okay. All Unless right. someone moves up. All right, so of the non-Jackson Smith and Jigba wide receivers in this draft class, who's the most likely to go off the board first? Quentin. You think Johnson. it is still Quentin? Yes. Quentin Johnson's an interesting guy because we're at the time, and you talk about this occasionally in general, just about you you can't, you don't like anything about any of these players at this point in the process. It feels like he's a victim of that. Like people are just trying to find holes in his game. Well, the problem is he didn't run as fast as, if he would have ran four threes or a low <laughs> four fours, yeah. then that would, he plays fast. Right. But I think he ran four high four fours or low four fives. I think that's right. I haven't seen the exact number, but I've seen the the four five in front of the five in front of the right after so, the decimal point. Yeah, so that would probably knock him a little bit. Even though I do think he plays faster than that. Yeah, I think you can't pass up his athleticism and his speed. Although I love Zay Flowers as a football player, he's still I think a slot only that can do some returns. Some teams, I know you said that you talked to, I think you did. Yeah. The think he can play outside. I just, little guys have a hard time playing outside unless they're Tyreek Hills or models. And most of those guys have the most success when they can get in bunches and get free releases off the line of scrimmage in there uh, as they get upfield into the routes. Is there any, this is just my anecdotal thoughts I've had to myself. Any thinking that if you have a young quarterback, like, say, Kenny Pickett, just that uh, guy coming to the second year who was okay his first year, you want him to take the next step, or even a Mac Jones, you'd rather get a big target in Quentin Johnson other than a expl- more explosive guy and say Flowers, even if you have them graded the same? You, you, though, then you're looking at your team, and the right here is a, a good cluster. Yeah. Okay, so if we have Zay Flowers and Quentin Johnson both equally graded on our board, what's going to best fit our need as long as they're equally graded. So some teams could have Zay Flowers. Some things can have teams can have Johnson. Zay Flowers probably catches the ball more consistent, consistently than Johnston does. Right. But Johnston's pretty unique with the uh, run after catch skills for a big receiver. He's not stiff. He's no. got elusiveness and he can bend and wiggle. All right, total wide receivers drafted in the first round, and as Debo notes, the number of wide receivers to go in the first round over the past five drafts, last year was six. 2021 had five, 2020 had six, and then 2018 and 2019 both had two each. So as I look at my my little uh, big board here, I have four wide receivers with the first-round grades. The over-under for wide receivers going round one, over four-and-a-half is plus money. It's at plus 240. The under four and a half wide receivers to go in the first 31 picks is minus 300. What's happening, Rick? Oh, that's that's an easy one. Go under four and a half. You're willing to pay that price, minus 300? Yeah. There's no way. There's no way five go? Nope. 
I, so, I, I may say three go. Yeah. I mean, you're not, I don't, I think that's right because Jalen Hyatt got a lot of buzz early. And then, you know, as we get closer down to, the I degree, don't know if, if you go, cause to me, Zay flowers is still borderline yeah. and uh, Addison's now a little borderline. And then who do you have left? You have Jackson Smith and Jigba and you have Quentin Johnston. And Those two for sure. And then the, I think you're right. And I don't after just, that, it's a uh, roll the dice. Yeah. Nope. I got it. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk tight ends and offensive linemen right after this. So, you think Debo's asking himself about why champagne's such a violent drink? <laughs> well, I was going to say, if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, I don't think you saw the, the commercial oh. that you saw, which was just 80 for Brady, which is on Paramount Plus. But you'll appreciate this, Rick. Uh, the other morning, I was up with our puppy at five o'clock in the morning because he had to go out, and I had to sit there and, and coddle him because puppies apparently need coddling. So I turned on a movie and Sally Fields is in this 80 for Brady movie. So you can, you can see Sally Fields there who I love. I watched smoking the bandit 1977. I hadn't seen it in 40 years. Uh, Sally Field w- was in it. Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise. You feel like a smoking the bandit guy. And I, I didn't watch a lot of movies. I was tr- trying to watch, Hey, <laughs> try to do my job. Devo, he says that. And then when we're, uh, you know, Scurry from airport to airport. He's seen every single thing under the sun. Yeah, Rick. Also, no no sulfites in the wine over in Italy, so that prevents the hangover. Rick's not a wine guy. No, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not a wine guy at all. I can say that. Wine with ice? No, I had wine in college once, uh, <laughs> and uh, what was that? It was the uh, grape stuff. Oh, the grape uh, stuff. I'm guessing the wine you're drinking in college isn't as nice as the wine you can drink now. Mad Dog 2020. Mad Dog 20. I don't think that's wine. That's uh Oh. What's I that? thought it was wine and I never had it after that. That's uh, that's technically what is that called, Debo? What's the uh or Boone's Farm? Boone's Farm is Oh my gosh, you're drinking like stuff with more sugar than alcohol in. That's why you didn't feel good. All right. When we get Rick to Italy for the podcast tour, we'll make sure he has some wine with some ice in it. <laughs> yeah. All right, I I I skipped a, a very important Grouping here, Rick, positionally. Let's talk about running backs drafted in the first round. This is pretty easy, I think. Uh, over one and a half is plus 370. Under one and a half running backs going around one, minus 550. Any way to go? Nope. One. Under. What if, and you don't want to hear this, what if B. John Robinson, running back out of Texas, goes 10 to the Eagles, and then a team at the bottom wants a Jameer Gibbs type, like the, not the Chiefs, because they have they actually have Pacheco, and they sort of whiffed on Clyde Edwards a layer, but another team like that maybe wants a, a versatile many good running backs in this draft class. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. I, I, I think the under makes sense. It's going to cost you at minus five fifty. The over would be, a, be a bet. I don't understand all this cause I, it was illegal. So I never, you know, when I was working with the team, so I never understood it. So if you put a dollar on under, you lose $550. So you have to bet five. You have to bet. Let's see. Uh, if it's minus 100, Debo, Debo explain it because I'm terrible at explaining this. No, I mean, yes, you have to to make $100. You, you have would have to bet, to bet 550. 550 on, on right. the under and you lose that $100 um, or, or you lose that 550 if the over goes. So, yeah, there's there's little payoff, I think. Eventually, we'll, we'll see a number here that is over 0.5, over under 0.5. That is a little more even odds. That one, it, it seems like there's going to be one. So maybe it, it would just be, you know, over 0.5 would be minus 300, minus 400. Um, but yeah, th- this is a tough number. And the over one and a half, so the plus 370 is you you bet 100 and you win 370. But you need 
more than one running back to go. Right. So you acknowledge that it's it's not as likely to happen. But is there a chance, as you laid out, Ryan, um, that is worth the chance to bet 10 to win 37, 100 to win 370 that Robinson goes early and then Gibbs goes a little later in the first? So you got to pay a price to to make sure to stick with just Bijan if that's your guy. Okay. So your- you, if you you say you're betting just on Bijan going in the first round, yeah, you I have it. to put a hundred dollars down. You have to put five hundred fifty dollars down just to win a hundred. Just to win a hundred. Yeah. Okay, that sounds like. But it. If, if you're that confident, then that you know you've been very convicted in this podcast, Rick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Debo's got jokes. <laughs> Everybody's got jokes. Yeah, that price might be worth it. Now, something we'll explore over the next couple of weeks, they'll have draft positions. So let's set the number, let's say, at 14 and a half for B. John Robinson. I'm interested once we get to that phase of, of the draft props, and, and we'll go over that soon. Not fully available yet, but they're coming soon. Mm. And we'll pick so over I under. Even get in the pool without putting $550 down. What's that? I can't even bet under unless I throw five hundred and fifty dollars right. down on the bet. That's I mean, right. you don't you don't have to bet that much. You can do fifty five dollars to win ten. It doesn't yeah. have to always always be uh, the, these round numbers that we're going. It's going to hurt just as much though when you lose. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you feel any better about the the Bijan under or the Jameer Gibbs under if he's your guy? No, I'm going to go and put five dollars on the under. All right, to win a dollar. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's do first tight end draft. So, and technically, did I just lose four dollars in? Yeah, if you if they if two get drafted in the first round, you oh, do. let's say I put five dollars down, and I apologize for my ignorance on that's this. fine. Yeah, a lot of people may not know this. So I put five dollars down. Yep. So I win a dollar. What happened to the other four? So I actually come out one dollar plus. So I've actually get oh $6. yeah, you get all your money back. You get all your okay. money. Back. So like let's. For that example, you put down five dollars and fifty cents to win a dollar. Your your payout at the end is six dollars and fifty cents. Right. Thank there you. you go. Yeah. For Thank you. yeah, for us beginner betters. Yeah, a year from now you're gonna be a an old hand. That's no. Right. <laughs> just dollar bets. That's Remember, all you homeless and unemployed, just trying to barely making it yeah, there, yeah, Ryan. Yeah. Trying to I rub know. two nickels together and make a dime. I know. Yeah, I I'm although I did win. Uh, $400 on my uh, NCAA bracket. Oh, not you, your daughter. Yes. Because her FAU pick? Yes. No. Nice. Because it was, this was a great system. And <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So I had FAU, San Diego State beat FAU, but they didn't cover the spread. Mm-hmm. So the person that had San Diego State actually lost because they didn't cover the spread, and I took over San Diego State, which got me into oh. the finals. For and that's the second place got four hundred bucks. Are you going to share that with your daughter? You didn't tell her that she's she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she's good. She's good. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let her know. Okay. First draft, first drafted tight end, Rick, and this is actually this is interesting. This might be the most interesting cluster outside of the quarterbacks. Um. Bryce and CJ anyway, especially if Anthony Richardson goes second overall, like you predicted. Okay. So these are the odds here. Dalton Kincaid, I have, oh, he's changed. It's minus 120 now. Michael Mayer's plus 120. So Dalton's a favorite. So you got to put down uh, $12 to win a dollar, $10 there, Rick. Okay. Michael Mayer's plus money. So you put put down $10 to win $12. 
Then Darnell Washington at plus 400. Luke Musgrave at plus 2,500. And below that, I have Sam Laporta at plus five, uh, excuse me, plus 5,000. I don't know if that's still on the board there, Debo, but that's what I have. Uh, Yeah, still plus 5,000. So, like, Rick, I'm telling you right now, I'm putting down a dollar on Sam Laporta. Oh, I like that. Oh, look at that. Plus 5,000. I'm putting down a dollar. So, I don't know what the math works out. What is that? I got to put down $50, $500 to win a dollar. (laughs) No, he's got the plus sign. Oh, plus. Never mind. I'm putting down $100 to win. I can't do that math either. $50,000. $5,000. $5,000. No, I put down $100,000. Oh, that's right. $100,000 for $5,000. You can see that we're old hands at this. Um, All right. So, who do you like here to be the first guy off the board at the tight end position, Rick? I'm going to go with – I still think – I, I went back and watched all these guys again. Yeah. Uh, Mayer is a very solid football player. I don't think he's elite. I think he's a solid player and will be a solid player in the league. Um, but I still think Mayer goes because he's safer than Kincaid, although Kincaid's pretty sensational in the passing game. Yeah, and you mentioned the the concerns about the injury. We don't know where he, he is with the injury. Don Kincaid, he has a back issue, and then – um, he's not going to block, but you're not drafting these guys unless it's named Darnell Washington to probably block a lot in the first round. So I think Michael Mayer's a safe pick. He's still plus money, so you make your you make your you have to put down more than than you get back. Uh, I don't think Darnell Washington goes first. That would be sort of a surprise. Don Kincaid wouldn't surprise me. I know teams were high on him back in the fall. They were talking him up before other people got on him. Um, I like Musgrave. I don't love him. Uh, some teams like him more. But you just don't love him because he's going to kick your rear end on the stage because you've made a comment about his uh, mustache. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I I will be I do have nightmares about that to this day. But Sam Laporte is gaining late steam and uh, that would be a fun bet to make. So put down a little sprinkle a little, as Brinson likes to say, on Sam Laporte at plus five thousand. I know I've talked to a couple people out there and Sam Laporte, I'm just telling you, is gaining a lot of steam through this process. Just FYI. So there you go. A little uh, Rick insight on that plus 5,000. That number should be lower is what Rick's saying. So get it now before it changes. Total tight ends draft in the first round, Rick, over two and a half is plus money. I have it at plus 210, Debo. I don't know if it's changed. And then the under for two and a half total tight ends drafted in the first round, I have it minus 260. And that has stayed the same if you're watching on the old uh, YouTube machine there. I think this over, I like the over a lot. What do you think? I'm going to say under. I'll go really? off. I think one of the dollar bets we have is I think I say I think I said five tight ends in the top 40, top 45. Well, I don't know. You have 500. You, that's a sure for sure bet. It's like betting a dollar on every horse in the uh, Kentucky Derby. You're going. Oh, to but win. you think. OK, so let me get let me clarify. You think only two in the top 31, but you think five in the top 45. Is that correct? I'd say five by the middle of the second round, whatever that is. Yeah, that's right around there. Okay. Okay, so who are your two? Michael, Michael Mayer, and who's the other one that goes then? Kincaid. So no Darnell, Darnell Washington, who who's long strider. You've talked about this last podcast. It was actually pretty interesting. You mentioned that, yes, he ran the two, four, six, seven, or whatever it was, the combine. But did he play at, at 267? He probably played more than that, which means he's probably slower when he runs. And he didn't look that explosive on tape. All those things you, you're, you're talking about in these draft meetings, and, and I'm guessing that informs your decision to not have him go in round one. I agree. 
<laughs> All right, I'm going over two and a half. I think one of these other guys, whether it's Laporta or Musgrave, even Darnell Washington, go in addition to Mayer and, and Kincaid. So I like the over plus money, unders minus 260. Okay. Can, we'll, Debo, can we put a dollar side bet on that? Yeah. That's the first one me and Ryan disagreed on. Are we going to do the odds though? Do we, are we going to start working the odds in now? No, just, hey, you said, <laughs> you said, I say two, you say three. All right. Uh, Debo says last draft to have two tight ends in the first round was 2019 with Hawkinson and Fant, teammates at Iowa. Last draft for three tight ends, 2017. So uh, his history's on your side, at least recent history. All right. Finally, down the home stretch here, we're talking offensive linemen. This is actually pretty good. And, let me know what you have to list, Debo, because I'm looking at Paris Johnson Jr. at the top at minus 180 on my printout, followed by our guy, Peter Skaronsky. He of the short arms, some of the shortest James arms. this morning. Oh, Lord. Minus 120. Oh, things are getting interesting. Then Peter Skaronsky at plus 120. Then Broderick Jones at plus 600, followed by right tackle Darnell Wright out of Tennessee at plus 1,200. So Paris Johnson Jr. is out of Ohio State. Peter Skaronsky is out of uh, Northwestern. Broderick Jones out of Georgia. I mentioned Darnell Wright went to Tennessee. And then Anton Harrison, who is a uh, guy's got some buzzer in the league. I, I know Rick's not certain if he goes in round one. I think we'll be at the bottom of the first round. He's at plus 6,000 is what I have. All right, Rick, I think I know where you're going. Who's your first guy off the board? Where am I going? You're going to go Broderick Jones at plus 600. Uh, yeah, I'll do that. I will. You, yeah, I was, You've talked him up because we've talked about Paris Johnson before. And... Yep. I think you you tell me I if I'm wrong. I think he has the highest upside out of all these guys. And That's I'm it. Going to go with Broderick Jones. I agree with that. I agree with that. You talked me into it. Peter Skaronsky, if he had 34-inch arms, I think he would probably be the safest pick. He'd be the Michael Mayer of offensive tackles in terms of safest, not the most athletic, not the highest upside, but guy you don't have to worry about. But the arm issue is a concern because he had some of the shortest arms at the combine. And obviously when you uh, project that out, the, the pro day circuit wasn't much better in terms of making his arm length any better, comparison-wise. So I'm going Broderick Jones. I think Paris Johnson Jr. at minus 120 isn't a bad bet, but I think the the running – is there any chance Skaronsky goes as the first offensive lineman? Um, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't rule it out. I would say it's maybe 60% leaning towards Paris Johnson because of the position and 40% Skaronsky – but let me ask you this. If you're in your draft meeting, Ryan, that you have in your head by yourself all the time that you don't all share information with anyone else. All the time. And you say, I've got a potential Pro Bowl guard in Skaronsky. I'm going to get a solid left tackle, but not Pro Bowl caliber in Paris Johnson. Which one are you going with? I, uh, you got to go to Paris Johnson. I mean, the other things you have to consider is the quarterback. Like if it's, we're talking about Justin Fields, for example. Right. I think, I think you want Paris Johnson. Okay. What do you think? I'm, I'm going to take the best football player if I got them next to each other. Okay. Um, one name, you mentioned the guard, one name that we didn't get to, and this might be a, a long shot. I want to know what you think about this. Our guy, Osiris Tarrance, guard only primarily out of Florida. We had a conversation with Pete Prisco on the podcast last week that may be right tackle, but he doesn't have much experience there. Just played a handful of snaps. Plus 7,500. Would you put any money on that to be the first? No, absolutely not. There's not no way Osiris goes first. No, absolutely not. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. So let's say Skaronsky, as you mentioned, has to kick inside. You know he's going to play guard for your team. You're going to take him at 12 for the Houston Texans, for example. 
Why would you take him over Osiris Torrance to play guard? Why are you taking him at 12 with the Texans? Is that just an example? Because that doesn't make sense. Yeah, just an example. Around, uh, or the, the Bears at nine. It doesn't matter. But a team that needs a, a guard. Why would you take one that hasn't played guard versus one who's played it at a high level? Because when you watch the tape on him and you see him pull, you see him move in space, uh, they ran a lot of counters with him. Yeah. A lot of things that you would see him have to function as a guard, you see him already doing at tackle. So it's That's... a pretty easy um, to decipher that, yeah, everything that we're seeing him do at tackle and some of these schemes that Northwestern runs uh, will translate to what we're going to ask him to do at guard for us. That's a great answer, Rick. That's why we have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, addition- just, just a supporting actor. In addition to being the eye candy, you actually provide the insights. I don't know what I do. Uh, get us in and out of topics, I suppose. All right, final topic, and then we'll get out of here. Total offensive lineman draft in the first round. I will tell you, Rick, looking at my big board, which I'm sure will be a, an absolute home run. Uh, what do I have here? I have one, two, three, four, five, six first-round grades on tackles and guards. No first-round grades on centers, even though one may go in the first round. So I have six. That's interesting because as you look here on YouTube – the over for offensive lineman draft in the first round, five and a half is minus 230. Under five and a half offensive lineman going in the first round, plus 185. All right. Name them off. Who do you got going? Johnson, Skaronsky, uh, Broderick Jones. Yep. Then Wright. Darnell, yep. And then I think he gets sketchy after that. So but there's a chance. To take offensive lineman because they have to take him in the first round if they're going to get him. So you didn't mention Osiris Torrance. Is there a chance he slips oh, out yeah, of Yeah, no, he'll go. That's okay. five. That's, so that's my, for sure five. Okay. All right. So are you so going under the, then? Or, or the do you... one is a six one. So is it Anton Harrison? Is it one of the centers? John Michael Schmidt, Joe Tipman, Luke Whippler, Steve Avila. That would be a long shot. TCU played guard. Mike kick inside. Um, Dewan Jones is a name we haven't talked about on this podcast. We've talked a lot about him. No, so, no. So you're going under five and a half under five and a half. You name five for sure. It only takes one to, to make you lose. lose someone will reach and, and I want to say reach. Someone will take one, <laughs> but <laughs> since you don't put your big board up here and share it with anyone, we'll do that. You can see if you're looking at your draft board right now, how, how many do you have? You know, we didn't do the defensive side, but count up. Okay, do do corners because there's so many corners. There could be maybe six corners that go in the first round. Or um, I don't think maybe one or two linebackers. No, yeah. maybe one safety. Yep. Um, so you start have to start counting up on which one of these offensive linemen because of – the depth and another position can get pushed out of the first round. Yeah. And we'll do that. We know we'll, we'll do that. We'll try to squeeze that in, in the next 17 days. You yell at big, big board and then explaining what we should be looking for as we go through the first round. I'm anxious to see your big board since it's such a secret. Yeah. Well, I got all these, you know, and I'm post- sure is your big board vertically. Uh, if I turn it sideways, it's horizontal. <laughs> <laughs> so it's with, too, but. <laughs> Whichever way you want it to go, that's the way it goes. All right, that's it, Rick. Just over an hour. We made it, Debo. That is the Draft Prop Show. That's a wrap on episode 35. What's going to happen next? Uh, remember, give us a thumbs up if you like the show. 
And if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review. Thanks as always. And my guy, Rick. There it is. That's and the if, wine I had in college. Never which, drank it after that. Which color? Purple. If you're oh purple drink. That's right. If you're watching on YouTube, uh Debo thankfully flashed a picture of MD 2020 Mag 2020. It's not wine. Uh, it's like wine cooler. I don't know what the exact. What is that, Debo? What color is it? That strawberry kiwi? Oh, my gosh. Rick they had didn't have all these colors back in the uh, 80s. It yeah, was this... just purple. It was great. That's all 2020. <laughs> they, they call it fortified wine. Fortified wine. What's fortified wine? I don't know. I think it's Mad cheap. Dog 2020. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look into you that. You have some in uh, Italy while you're over there? Well, me and Ryan were running all over the country trying to make this podcast as successful as we could. <laughs> and your, stuff, your right? counterparts that came in and filled in for you did a, I don't know, they did a pretty good job. Do you think, Ryan? I, I will and, say. Uh, Billy did a great job, and he asked a great question for our guy, Eric Sugarman. Uh, the longtime head of medicine for the Vikings about T.O. You missed that, Debo, live. I hope you hopefully you saw it. And also, Thomas did a fantastic job with the graphics Thursday, Debo, with the mock draft. I mean, it looked like we were on HQ. And I was wondering, I didn't know that was a capability. So you, I might have Thomas help you out with those. <laughs> Nothing. He, he, he quit. He quit, Rick. <laughs> he he took the, the Mad Dog graphic off the screen. He He's went. disappointed in getting Mad Dog 2020 while I was over. Sorry, I was, uh, I was scheduling the Thailand trip. all right that's it thank you rick as always debo glad you're back glad you had fun on your vacation and we'll be back wednesday to talk defensive linemen edge rushers with our guy lee jay until then see you later